he really got me. You know, I think it's because he was gay. Got the nuances more. get me a gay mickey gotta get a gay hello and welcome to another episode of in the details a celebration of nuance where lately each week i queen out on all of the acting choices micro moments and magic in the minutiae that make a scene great my name is colin drucker your name is barbara belgettis and this week once again we have a guest i'm very excited for many reasons to introduce craig filer to the podcast not that it's new to him, but he is new to you. Please welcome Craig. Hello. Hello. I hope everybody's doing great. Podcast virgin here. Very exciting. Oh, I love that. Oh, great. Well, what a great place to start. Um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an easy podcast to, to, I don't know what the breaking your podcast cherry uh, version is, but you're doing it. And We're going to do it regardless. We're going to do it regardless. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, welcome. I'm so happy to have you on because... Uh, without you just to like start this off right without you a huge a huge figurehead of this podcast would not be a figurehead of this podcast a patron saint if you will would not it be in my canon if it were not for you craig so i have to begin this podcast conversation by saying thank you because if it were not for you i would not really know and love barbara harris the way barbara bell harris Barbara Bell, Barbara Bell <laughs> Harris. Yeah. Yes. So, well, you're most welcome. She's a gem. Yeah. A gem. Yeah, you had emailed me, I think it was a few months after she had passed away, and we're like, mm-hmm. and about this movie that we're going to talk about today. Um, but I would love to start there and just say, like, how, how did Barbara Harris get on your radar? Actually, you know, when, when I was growing up and growing up in Florida and as an only child sort of I had three older brothers and sisters but I was the latchkey kid and there's a big space so I spent a lot of time by myself growing up you know as many of us young men do mm-hmm. uh, when we are sort of not fond of people really but really enjoy ourselves and so getting to watch a lot of movies and and this was a Disney movie that actually I remember seeing when I was nine or ten and then it started showing up on cable and it's one of these movies that is instantly quotable, recognizable, rewatchable, these days memeable for me, mm-hmm. gifable for me. And so Barbara Harris was front and center of that. And it was from there that I started learning more and more about her as her career went on. And it's an interesting entry point to her because she's such a, oh, what's the word? She's such a prolific performer. She's done so many things in so many different ways that my introduction to her was through family films. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that this morning is how did this woman who's an Oscar nominee who has these amazing acting and chops in films and theater, she went on to teach for such a long time. How did she end up in these, this and then Freaky Fridays, the other one, how did she end up in these two Disney family films? And it's such an interesting thing. 
And I'm like, the answer is, of course, because she was trying to experience so many parts of her craft and do so many different things that, of course, she would try to end up in a feature film like this. And it's a movie I've always come back to. You know, they, they talk about the Disney vault. I don't know if you remember from the 90s. You probably do a 90s mm-hmm. file that you are. They would bring movies out of the vault. They never yes. brought this out of the vault, right? Like, people don't even remember it's in the vault. No. This is, like, such a deep cut. And so I really hope I hope this is interesting to enough people that they, they find the time to go discover this little gem of a movie starring this gem of a person. In fact, a great cast of gems oh, in this movie. Yeah, well, you know, that's, I mean, I, I'm glad you said it because many things I cover on this podcast, I don't think many, I don't expect many people to come in knowing. There's that great reward of somebody saying, yes, I know that reference. But it's mm-hmm. also like, well, if you don't, here's an entry point. And I think yeah. um, a lot of people, if they know Barbara Harris, they may know her from her Oscar-nominated performance they might know who is Harry Kellerman and why is he saying those terrible things about me. I feel like that's equally obscure, mm-hmm. but you know, they may know her from uh, the apple tree from which she won mm-hmm. a Tony for, or yeah. um, freaky Friday or mm-hmm. playing Peggy Sue's mom and Peggy Sue got married, uh, but I stay away like, from the red M&Ms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, um, to your point, she's done so many different things and is so good in each of those that it's mm-hmm. kind of exciting to kind of, well, what would she do in a family movie? You know, it's yeah. like, what would Tony Collette do in a in a Disney family comedy? You know, it's exactly. kind of that feeling. You know, and I like the Tony Collette reference because Tony Collette and and I love the podcast that you did earlier this year with Muriel's Wedding because Muriel's Wedding is another one of those movies for me that has those touch points and it's a discovery point for Tony Collette who is similar to Barbara Harris has this such wide array of acting lanes that she can do that it's just so phenomenal. And so I, I really appreciate that connection. Uh, she, Tony Collette's like a latter day uh, saint of, of Barbara Harris, perhaps. She is. Yes, certainly. Yeah. I feel like uh, she stands, you know, toe to toe with Barbara Harris, at least in my, um, in my little book of saints, for sure. Also has her one supporting actress, Oscar nomination and you know. you know I mean and that's uh yeah I, I feel like that kind of gets an automatic entry into the mm-hmm. you know, into the club it's like oh you've been nominated for best supporting actress Oscar welcome you know Cloris Leachman is over there you can go take a seat with her exactly um, <laughs> and that's one of the things I also obviously I love about this movie and I you know and it's not just Cloris Leachman and Barbara Harris but just the there's a best supporting actress energy about this cast they mm-hmm. all like. I, I was varying levels of familiar with them, Barbara Harris and Cloris Leachin being the ones I was most familiar with. But um, even though the other actresses are probably, you know, don't have Oscars under their belt, there was, um, I was so impressed with the caliber of the cast that both Cloris mm-hmm. Leachman and Barbara Harris were in it. I felt like, I know Cloris Leachman has done a lot of TV work, but mm-hmm. I don't know, once you see her in the last picture show, it's like, wow, this woman, just like Barbara Harris, can really mm-hmm. do everything. Yeah, and I think if I've got the timeline, because this was, have we told people what the movie was called yet? Oh, I think we have, and if not, um, <laughs> I can't remember if we did or not. Yeah, I, I probably didn't even put it in the title of this episode, but indeed, oh. the movie is 1979's The North Avenue Irregulars, um, which, to your point, I had never heard of before you mm-hmm. emailed me about it. It, it, yeah. it. it never crossed my path, was never one of those, you know, Saturday afternoon movies in my life. Uh, but I mean, I, I recognized Barbara Harris. Um, well, mostly, I think this was the first thing I saw her in once mm-hmm. you'd recommended it, but I re- certainly recognized Cloris Leachman. 
um, I was not as familiar with Kim Valentine. I knew Edward Herman from the Gilmore Girls. Sure. Um, I you might have known Alan Hale from Gilligan's Island. Oh, yes. Harry oh, yes. the Hat. Mm-hmm. He did have one of those faces where I was like, why do I know you? And that's what mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. Um, I recognize Virginia Capers from one episode of the Golden Girls. <laughs> That's my record. She, she, I went to her IMDb like, wow, she had a long career of so many guest spots on so many shows. Yes. And she's such a delight in this movie. Oh my God. Thank you. I'm so glad we're yeah. saying that so early on. Virginia That's Capers wonderful. is one of my favorite parts of this movie. She was such oh, yeah. a delight. She uh, has hustle, literally. Like, yeah. Like, she just hustles through the yeah. whole thing. Oh, yeah, through the whole thing. And I mean, you know, not to jump ahead, but the, I, I think I need to have a print of a screenshot of her running with a baby carriage and signing a ticket at the same time. <laughs> I think I might be able to help you with that. I'm, I'm working on that. Like, it's a gift because it is definitely gifable. So. Oh, my God. It was just like there was a mo- moments like that. And I think that's part of why we're talking about this movie today is there are these little moments in this movie that feel like, why isn't this iconic? Why aren't mm-hmm. we talking about this more? These are just like such like hidden gems. So it, um, it really is. It's just from start to finish. It just seems like there are just all of these, you know, to, to use your term, these micro moments and these choices that the performers are making that I'm like, this just couldn't be in the script. Or if oh, it yeah. is, you know, kudos to the script writer, but this is such a performer's movie that it's just you go along for the ride I, I certainly have like some contemplative things to that we'll talk about like some questions i've always asked even since i was a child about like this is always very strange and the fact that these you know five then six church women are trying to take down organized crime in their community right it's almost like disney's version of oceans eight before oceans eight existed even to the point where like there's it's Disney, so there's no guns except till the very end. And they're like sort of as a superfluous thing. Like nobody seems to be in danger of any bullets at this right. point. Like there's always kids around and organized crime. It's just this weird mismatch of, of styles and genres that shouldn't work. But hey, it was 1979. And so why not? That's I yes, I agree. There are there are certainly because that is yeah, the the overall the plot for if almost anyone listening is not familiar with this movie is indeed about, as you said, these church ladies who are trying to um, shut down organized crime and gambling in their community and get their community back. And mm-hmm. it has like, to your point, yeah, there are moments where I was like, Oh, that came out of nowhere. Like, you know, there's, there's scenes where they, there's these great set pieces where each of them try to go undercover. And when, Jane, played by Kim Valentine, is going undercover as a street walker <laughs> in the middle of the day. In the middle. It's her best day walker drag. It's just, <laughs> I, I know. And as a 10 year old, you're like, this isn't lost on me, even at this age, right? right it's like, right, she right. is dressed up like a hooker. And yeah. even though it's a Disney movie and they would never say it's such, and she's walking into this bar that plays country western music but looks like it's a place where like roughnecks would be uh, and you're like what is going on and and one of my favorite lines in movies actually is when she walks into the bar and the bartender's like how's tricks and she looks at them and goes huh <laughs> and she's like oh oh fine fine right. like, and she like forgets who she is what she's doing and she like snaps into character real quick yeah and, and it's and it's like the drag of the whole movie we talked about this a little bit earlier before we started recording is like this is such drag is like you have these church women who are putting on it's so many layers of drag right it's church women that are putting on sort of this drag of we are going to be undercover agents 
right? And then each of those species they're putting on drag, sometimes literally, uh, to go into places and try and like bring down this organized crime, this organized gambling. And it's just transcended at some point because it's, it just keeps topping itself with these set pieces, I think. Yeah, I that's one of the things I've I've loved about this movie each time I've watched it is that it is a series of set pieces and it's set pieces for women, of course, which is yes. the best part. Uh, one of the things this, I was this thinking, blows the the, the what, how did you say the blood bedshell test it just blows it out of the water oh, right it's oh like, my god <laughs> I don't think they talk about a man except except Karen Valentine when when I'm confronted by her fiance who sees her walking into the bar as a prostitute with the fiance's mom who is overbearing and 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 they walk in like who's this man and she's just like he's just a guy guy who bought me a drink is that a crime (laughs) (laughs) and i mean like and i think that's what i love is like that set piece for example is what the movie does is it it creates these like in that situation as you said it just it things it kind of keeps layering so first she shows up as a street walker and then you know she's trying she's barely keeping that drag on and then of Mm -hmm. course then the fiance who we'll talk about and the mother Mm -hmm. show up and then she's between the rock and the hard place of not wanting to blow the sting and not wanting to like ruin her marriage and it like all of those things all of those moments because the movie does those layers of of conundrum repeatedly Mm -hmm. i kept thinking about it not to be too current but i kept thinking about how this falls under what I think is a brand of content called I Forgot All About Corona. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I think mm-hmm. that there are certain things right now where it's like, wow, I completely forgot. You know, I just, I, I disappeared into this world. And I mm-hmm. think that's one of the things I also love doing, talking about this movie now is how much of an escape it is. You know, oh, yeah. I, uh, I was so wrapped up in the movie and right away, within five minutes, there's a set piece. The, that first set piece. So it, the movie starts with uh, the reverend is he's brand new at, at the North Avenue Presbyterian Church. And he shows up on the first day. He's a day early. Everyone's trying to clean the church. You meet all the main characters, although you don't know who they are yet. And so the little kids, um, by the way, the girl, her mm. name is Carmel. I didn't pick that up and I'd forgotten it until like halfway through the movie. And it's like Carmel, like who yeah. is the child Carmel? Right. And beside the point. But right. but the kid, the the son and the daughter, the son like pulls this rope. Delaney Rafferty, he's this old Irish Catholic guy who somehow is at this Presbyterian church, right? That like even as a ten year old, I'm like, there's an Irish Catholic here. What's his backstory? Very right. interesting. Um, and they pull this rope. He's up painting the belfry. He falls. Like all the women, they come running. They have this great idea. Let's get a ladder. They're trying to pull a ladder up a ladder to get up into the belfry. It's just chaos ensues, and it's great. It's so good. What I love about it the most is, and especially how quickly it happens, is is within five minutes, we have a set piece of character actresses working Mm -hmm. together to get a ladder up a belfry. Like, it's you know and there's these like little moments like barbara harris climbing the ladder and having her hand stepped on and the way and she biting the foot yeah, and biting the foot yeah um, absolutely and each of those it feels like yeah there's the the set piece slows down for comedic actressing to happen you know and it, oh absolutely and it also one of the things i love about this movie and i've all real i was really struck by the, the 
couple times I've watched it here is the characters are so well developed. You don't learn a lot about them, but you know exactly who they are. Mm. And again, I think that partially through the script, but it's really the acting and the choices that they make. Like I know who each of these women is just from the things that they're doing, the way they're interacting with one another. There's so many scenes, and this is the first example of it, where they're all talking over one another, but it never feels like, you know, that theater trick of piecing carrots, piecing carrots. Like they're all saying things and they're saying things that that person would say. And so it's like they all understand who they are in these roles and they're just living in them and going. It seems to me this would be on a fun movie to make i i couldn't find anything about that but you know no i I agree i think that that like it's interesting how the characters are introduced kind of it's except for the reverend like they're introduced kind of in the middle of things and so Mm -hmm. we're never given those proper like set up moments with each character they just kind of you know the shot suddenly shows three of them there's cloris in the background you know like Mm -hmm. that's her introduction or actually no i should take that back because Cloris in the window. Very, because her, her nails are really introduced before she. And that's really important because. Her nails are important. Yeah. Nails are like the best act one gun in terms of a, a third act joke. It's. Oh, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. So things like identifying details like that, like the way that the nails that she has or the makeup she's wearing. Um, I felt like right away I figured out like in a few lines that yeah Barbara Harris's character was very much the busy mom uh, Mm -hmm. and like who we see them as in those first scenes it remains consistent like it's how effective that scene is is like everything I needed to know I figured out in that scene. It's it's almost like the Reverend is our entry point because he's entering their story yeah Mm -hmm. midpoint and so you know Reverend Hill is already there these people are already a community and he they're welcomed into the community in fact cleo uh who is um what's her name virginia davis right right virginia capers or there we go virginia capers who's cleo um who is the token african-american much like the token catholic there's this one just wonderful black woman in the midst of all right. of this caucasianality i don't know um <laughs> like which, <laughs> i know but, but which is which is great um it's also very interesting. I think this is supposed to be in Pennsylvania or somewhere on the East Coast, but it's very clearly Southern California. Oh, uh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> it couldn't be any more Southern California. Mountains um, in the background. It was like, this yeah, is not the Midwest. Yeah. Not at all. And just so much dust, right? It's like right. dust everywhere. It's, it's like dirty, dirty 1970s Los Angeles. Um, so. Totally. <laughs> but, but like the, and the other thing I think about that first scene that Hoda sets up so many mom jeans. Oh, yes. Oh, I love the drag of mom jeans. I yeah. just love it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so and like mom jeans, mom jeans slash, slash dad jeans, but mom jeans in particular, there's such a story behind clothes like that. Uh, and what's crazy is that, I mean, I am not, you know, I know nothing about fashion, but apparently there is a, a some kind of movement now called norm core that essentially is mom jeans and like you know bulky Hanes sweatshirts like things and, and like white Reeboks like things that you would never th- consider fashionable I guess the pendulum has swung so far that now being unfashionable is fashionable maybe it has to do with quarantine culture like <laughs> comfort comfort is key I know right yeah um <laughs> in any event I'm gonna continue to just wear you know sweatpants and t-shirts and call it a day that's yeah. evergreen fashion in my world 
um, the, it's, it's interesting too, because like, yeah, the mom, the, just the mom drag of all of this, which I know you enjoy so much, it was just there throughout. And I'm pretty sure a lot of them are just wearing wigs anyway. So like that lays, adds another layer of drag to it. And, and Vicky, who is Barbara Harris, um, Vicky Sims, we finally learned her, her last name in the third act, which is great. Like Vicky Sims, like that is suburban mom to a T. Right. 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 Yeah, um, she drives the station wagon, just everything about it. But she, like the first thing I think she says as as sort of an independent, like probably scripted moment where she was, I think it was something along the lines of I volunteer voluntarily. And she goes on this whole thing uh, and she's using the brush. Like there's there's this that that sweeper, you know, what I'm talking about. It's like yep. a broom without a handle. It's getting passed around in that whole first scene and everyone's using it in various different ways. And it becomes this like inanimate, like 17th character in the scene, which already has a lot of people in it. But I just so appreciate the way everyone's using this brush throughout that first scene. It's just fascinating. Yeah, because eventually then Cloris Leachman gets it and she's fanning herself. Mm -hmm. She likes to fan herself a lot in this movie. Oh, yeah. Any chance to show up. So hot and bothered. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Now, of all the names we've mentioned, I do want to just mention one more that I would be remiss to not, but that's Patsy Kelly in her final role. Yes, yes. I only really know Patsy Kelly, lesbian, from Rosemary's Baby. Um, sure. Do you know her from anything else other than that? Those were the two main things that I knew her from. And it was interesting when I saw Rosemary's Baby, probably once I was in high school, and I was like, I think that's the lady from North Avenue Irregulars. And, I, and I, whatever card catalog I had to use in 1985 to figure that out, mm-hmm. I did. And I was like, wow, that is some range right there. Right, right. <laughs> um, well, and that's kind of what's great because I feel like uh, – that's the, the sort of the magic of that character in Rosemary's Baby is that like she she does seem like, yeah, she's just kind of that like nosy, you know, blousy lady upstairs. And like, no, she's a you know crazy Satanist. Uh, that's Kelly's charm. Uh, and I should, also we should mention in terms of, of casting and other roles and whatnot, in terms of Barbara Harris, that this year was the same year that the movie The Seduction of Joe Tynan. Tynan. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen that? I want to say that I saw it back in college or shortly thereafter, but I, I may be confusing it with The Graduate, maybe, mm-hmm. which is embarrassing. Oh, that's, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> those two may be like conjoined in my mind, but I know yeah. I've seen bits and pieces of it for the very least. Yeah, it's hard to track down. I feel like it's on DVD, but it's not streaming anywhere. Uh, you know, heard- I probably saw it on like a laser disc. You know oh, the yeah, albums totally. of the of the DVD world. Yeah, uh, so that I'd, I'd love to see. I've heard Barbara Harris is great in that. Obviously, Meryl Streep is in that as well. Yeah, um, but uh, we're not here to talk, talk about Meryl. We're here to talk about Barbara and Friends. Well, uh, although you know she could she could be great in this, and I do I do think too it's interesting to point out the that the uh, Patsy Kelly who's who is the other Roman Catholic in this movie she's married to Delaney Rafferty and so it's Rose and Delaney Rafferty and they're this obvious very Roman Catholic Irish folk at this Presbyterian church and I always wondered even as a young and I grew up Episcopalian so I was familiar enough to my like these are like my Catholic friends so parents right like or grandparents like who are these people? Why are they at this church? And they're the catalyst for what gets the whole movie rolling is because the, the new reverend wants to have more of the parishioners involved in the, the workings of the church because up to this point, it had been the retired 
the retired priest and his daughter, Anne, who still is the church secretary. And Anne feels very particular way about how the church should be run. And that's very clear from this first set of scenes as well. Mm. And so the reverend gives the ledger for the rainy day fund to Mrs. Rafferty. And then hilarity does ensue, right? So she comes running in in the middle of the first church service. He's trying to give his sermon and and she realized, or she conveys to the reverend, hey, Delaney just bet all the rainy day fun on a race, on a horse race, which begs so many questions and leads to the world's shortest and best sermon that has ever been captured on film. He goes in, he does like a one second sermon, he's out the door. There's a great yeah. old couple in the congregation, you know, the, that show up a couple of times. And, and then, you know, then the movie kicks off, really. I love that scene that she has, <clears throat> that Patsy Kelly has with Edward Herman, where mm-hmm. um, there's that one moment where he says something like, you know, you know, how could he do such a thing? And she has this semi-verbal response of like, ah, I, I mean, I don't know. Like she, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. something that is not in the script. This is pure Patsy Kelly. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love those moments where it's like, oh yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't put this in a script. You couldn't tell someone to do this. This is just an mm-hmm. actor figuring out their best punchline, you know? And he's, and he's just pulling her along, her and her support hose, and she wears that house dress through the whole movie for the most part. Oh. It's just like her best Golden Girls drag. Oh, I mean, and, the, the two of them on a, on a motorcycle is another print that I need. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and before we skip over it, the church service, the, the nuance of Cloris Leachman, who's standing, um, so her character's name is... It's Claire. Claire, that's right. Claire, that's clear. It's clear that it's Claire, right? So <laughs> yeah. Claire is Claire is cheating off of Cleo in the hymnals, right? They're singing in the up in the front of the church. They're singing, they're singing, and she keeps putting the hymnal down and then forgets the words. And it's like a really famous hymn too. It's like one that even as an Episcopalian I was familiar with. And she's looking. Then Cleo's like take my damn hymnal and stop yeah. looking over my shoulder. And she gives it to her. And then she picks up a new one, Cleo does. And then Cloris Leachman closes it when the song's over, but it's not over. So she needs to keep looking. And you know, it's like these little things that they're doing. They're like, this isn't in the script. This is all them. It's wonderful. Just the improv of it all throughout this movie. I could have watched that scene go on for 10 minutes. It was just mm-hmm. it was so funny. And yeah, it was all nonverbal. It was all just um, actresses just playing. Um, that and speaking of playing um, um, Karen Valentine's Jane, the drag of playing the organ, right? So like she's not playing that organ, but oh. she was playing that organ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Karen Valentine was really channeling that organ. Yeah, but absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was, a, it was a part of her. Yeah. Um, I've always been interested to, or I was interested in your take on the illegal gambling establishment behind the dry cleaning store. You know, he, they go, they get off the motorcycle and they go to the, the dry cleaners. He has to give the man his pants to go back in the yeah. bookie's office to bet on horse races. And all of a sudden there's this melange of village people with no pants. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And a milkman. Absolutely. It was like, you know, I mean, it, it brings up a, a, a good larger question around the euphemisms in this movie because yeah. boy, was that a back room. You know? Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. It was, it was like, you know, th- there were moments like that. I think there's a, there's a line later that we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll dive into that scene. But there's, there's a couple moments, the, the char- character of Howard in general, that there is a level of euphemism in this movie that made me wonder, I, is this just me? 
Or is mm, this, no. like, a, this is a clever writer who's putting in a few jokes that he knows, you know, will no, go over people's heads. Yeah, yeah. Um, that the parents will get while the kids don't. And that's, uh, so that moment felt very much like, hmm, this feels, <laughs> this, this feels like a Stonewall raid, you know? Yeah, it's, it's like, I'm not uncomfortable with this scene being in the movie by any stretch of the imagination. And oh. the, other, the other thing that was odd about it, though, one assumes it's a Sunday morning mm-hmm. because everyone's at church. Mm-hmm. What, two questions have always plagued me about this. Why is the bookie's office so busy on like 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning? And two, why are all these civil servants in their civil servants clothes without pants on a Sunday morning? So like, like yeah. the milkman's there, the postman's there, the construction workers, are there, like the village people are there, the cop is there, like everyone's there. Sans pants. We should clarify for the listeners: they are all wearing boxer shorts. And, right. Uh, you know, it's not even not like lascivious. Nope, it's all boxer shorts. Yeah, it is still no Disney. BBL. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> you know, but it's like, wow, and it was crowded. Like downtown was not crowded, but like this place was packed. Yeah. So. No, this was this was a city that it was like. Um, it was like a city that that had had a boom maybe twenty years ago, and now it was like mm-hmm. a pretty dead downtown. Um, uh, yeah, I. That's a. These are all very good questions. It's like, what was everyone doing on a Sunday in their mm-hmm. construction garb? And like, when were they going to leave? Like, what was what's the what's the day look like? How long do you stay there with your pants off? You know? Yeah. How many races? Like, I, I didn't know horse races started that early on a Sunday. I mean, I would assume that you know, courtesy states that they would wait until after church time. But you know, maybe that's just me. Yeah, I guess, you know, that, that, those are criminals for you. They don't follow rules. There's no courtesy in organized crime. You know? No, there is not. There's certainly not. There's, my mom taught me there's always time for manners, but obviously, you know, that doesn't go through the same soprano school of, of hard knocks, I guess. No, once you take your pants off, I guess. <laughs> all rules, all bets are off. Yeah. Um, so I, in, in terms of the scenes that I'm like, because I mean, I have it. It's funny. I started taking notes on like certain scenes, and I would just like write, just you know, the hat moment, which which yeah. maybe that is a moment mm-hmm. to dive into. Because obviously, as um, things progress, you know, uh, of course, uh, Edward Herman's character discovers this backroom bookie situation, but then when he returns with the cops, it's all been cleared out. Because I think the understanding is the cops are in on this. Absolutely, yes. So, so now he needs to uh, recruit a grassroots gang to try to shut this mm-hmm. down. Um, none of the men, all the men say no. All the men say no. I do want to mention, I believe it's during all of this that he stops by Mrs. Gossin's house. Oh, Mrs. Gossin. She's into yoga now. She's into yoga now. I feel like there's a role that like Cloris Leachman could have done this as a cameo yeah. and like killed it. But it's a great little cameo. It's a great it's like role. A- Almost like Judy Holiday, right? Yes. Like, I'm into yoga now. Yeah. It was like, I mean, in some ways, you know, I, I always want to think about who would I want to play in a movie. It's like I mm-hmm. normally would want a bigger role, but like that one was just so good. Um, so that was on the list. She was but, great. She's like, do you want to come in for a drink? Yeah. And then we never see her again. It's, nope. it, it's so strange. But there's another, mm-hmm. another one of those euphemisms that's just hinted at. It's like, here's yeah. this woman you know, I mean, I think the idea of her being into yoga, the euphemism of, of being flexible, you know. Absolutely. Like, well, particularly in 1979, it's very clear. Like, um, women who need to be limber are of a particular type of woman. Who yeah. Who yeah. to church any longer. Right. Uh, you're, you're learning downward facing dog for a reason. Yeah. Yes. 
Mrs. Uh, Carlyle would not approve. No. Uh, so, of course, he then, uh, you know, does find help from this ragtag group of church ladies. I, I think the set piece, one of my favorite set pieces in this movie is uh, the scene with Cloris Leachman, Claire, in the red hat. I would mm-hmm. an iconic red hat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he kind of gets the idea to, to rope her in. I do want to mention before the actual hat moment that it is, you could give her an Emmy for just the way that she navigated the line of, I regret to inform you that the women's association <laughs> salad supper will be a dollar instead of a usual dollar. <laughs> oh, I know. The line reading of that is just sublime. She's like, I regret to inform you that the normal should be an salad supper. <laughs> Off of one fifty will be a dollar or a dollar fifty this year. Like prices yeah. are going up. It's inflation. Damn it's it! It's so great. And, <laughs> and there's like a small pause. She goes, "The bean and salad supper." Like that pause is so. I don't know why. It like does so yeah. much, you know. And then mm-hmm. he responds, "Oh, that is bad news." And she just kind of goes, "So." Like and just kind of looks away. And I'm like, "That's yeah. not in the script. That's Cloris Leachman just acting." Um, and then of course he and bless her heart she just wants a love connection and i wonder because at one point she like she obviously is a woman of independent means that comes clear through the movie she's just throwing money left and right she has like three different cadillacs best i can tell with matching Um, car phones yeah yeah, i know it's like she has a different color car she's like the imelda marcos of cadillacs totally (laughs) so but she she and she always has a hat almost every scene has some sort of head something going on Mm -hmm. which is awesome but she she just wants to connect so much and then that scene because he is telling her to meet him in at nine o'clock and then he's like in the sunday school room and then he's like but you should use the side entrance and they of course missed the chance to use the back entrance oh but, I, yes. you know. yeah yeah i felt like they were trying it there because like it's it's such a fabulous moment because obviously yeah she he says meet me at 9 p.m and she says my place or yours and the way when he says make it the sunday school room and her reaction to that uh, uh, yeah oh it's like brilliant physical comedy of just like oh, oh okay like and the implication of that because you know what she's thinking and and so mm-hmm. because of her reaction we get the euphemism it's because she's reacting that way that we get the, the mm-hmm. underlying joke so when he says and make it the side entrance i was like it's still pretty dirty like i still yeah. like i still appreciate where it's going mm-hmm. um, but then she walks off and oh it's I I don't know. I have to assume this was all her, but she kind of like, it's one of those like, oh my God moments, but she puts her hand on like the top of the hat and like tips her head back and then like pulls the, the hat in. Yeah. And, and she's, it, oh. it's like the face journey to use your term. Yes, it's a face journey mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. of ecstasy. She's like, I'm going to get some. Oh, it's so funny. Cloris Leachman is really, um, I mean, I've seen her in, I mean, obviously I've seen her on Mary Tyler Moore and mm-hmm. her, you know, when at older, you know, later in her career, she pops up as the, you know, the, the grandma or the mother and different things. But yeah. um, I feel like her earlier career stuff, you know, um, there's a, there's a TV movie she was in called Dying Room Only. Have you ever heard of that? It's a horror movie no. or a thriller, I should say. Yeah. But into it's that. 
It's gr- oh, it's great. So it's um, she and Dabney Coleman are a married couple uh, on a road trip, and they pull off at a rest stop in like. Oh, I've heard you talk about this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she everyone thinks she's going crazy for some reason. Yeah, or he like goes yeah. to the bathroom and then disappears, and then she's just trying to find her husband. And I think it's like talking about the range of Cloris Leachman. You know, people mostly know her for being funny and for comedy, and it's sort of surprising that mm-hmm. she has an Oscar for such a, a dark, heavy movie like Last Picture Show or that she does things like Dying Room Only and it doesn't feel ridiculous. You know, like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like, um, I don't know, like it's someone who's, a, you know, mostly does comedies. Like, I don't know, Goldie Hawn doing a serious role. Like, yeah, it, it could be hard to forget the old Goldie, old Goldie Hawn, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I think and she just transforms, you know? It, she, and she is just so funny in this too that when she finally shows up to the Sunday school room, she is just dolled up. She just is like Sunday best Cloris Leachman on a Friday night or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she goes, like she does her hair right before she opens the door and she opens the door and and all the other women are sitting around this little tiny table and those little tiny chairs where like even their knees are up to their faces. And she like goes in and she's like, oh, and I Claire, and she like closes the door real quick. Then like, this is great physical comedy. He goes and he opens it and she comes flying in and under her breath, she goes, I'll get you for this. <laughs> While she's smiling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, like, I just, I feel like she made that up. She just did that. Yeah. That was totally not in the, in the thing. And then of course the treasury agent guys come in and they're like expecting all these guys and they have these women and, and he's like, what the holy hell is this? And they make their case. They're like, nobody's going to expect them. And of course, for there's two times where different people go a bunch of ding-a-ling dames mm-hmm. which is such a 70s thing right like definitely not a woke statement but i think that's part of the point of this movie is nobody is giving these women any credit except the reverend that they can actually do something everyone's like oh they're just women and they're just like it's like pre me too but they're just like we'll get this done and they do like they roll up their sleeves and they they keep being creative and ingenuity and they keep getting back up and they have resilience and like we're gonna do this because it's important and it's just like yeah so cool well i think that that opening set piece with the belfry and the ladder and all that is a great representation of that like i think it doesn't come out of left field that they are so gung-ho to do this because we've already seen from the beginning that like when the going gets tough, they, they pull together and they don't pull together perfectly. Like, I think that's the I other thing really smart about that first set piece is mm-hmm. we automatically know that, okay, these, these ladies know how to like collaborate, but they, they may not stick the landing, you know, and it's like, you're, it's like the, um, it's like the, so similar, one of the first attempts to go to a lunch counter to try and place a bet. And this is Barbara Harris. Uh, and who else there? So Barbara Harris is there Patsy and Virginia Kelly. Capers and yeah. Patsy Kelly. And so they all show up wearing trench coats and sunglasses mm-hmm. and she's trying to make a recording of it. And of course, they go back to check it for some reason that makes no sense, but it's great comedy. All of a sudden, it starts playing Roll Out the Barrel by the Andrew Sisters, and they start lip syncing, <laughs> right? Uh, actually singing, and they have to like back up, and they're doing jazz hands, and they're just like trying to get away. And then it cuts to the scene of the afterwards, and <laughs> Barbara Harris is like, you could have gotten us killed. We don't even look like the Andrew Sisters. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which again, that, like, that whole scene right there seems kind of improv. I think there's so many ones are like, just go, like talk. Mm-hmm. And and those are the pieces that came out of it. Yeah, I agree. That set piece, I mean, again, I mean, I'll probably repeat myself, but it was just, it, it's, it's somewhat rare 
especially in an older movie, but like I, to me, it feels rare to see a movie where women, especially women who are of an older age, they get to be the ones telling the jokes and the punchline. They don't have to be the like wife in the sitcom going, oh, come on. <laughs> and, Patricia Heaton. Yeah, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that scene to see like those three women, like Patsy Kelly in her senior years and Virginia Capers with all her, all her guest spots and the mm-hmm. glorious Barbara Harris just playing and seeing them and, you know, sing and dance going up the street. I was like, this is like, this is so great. This is so, and rare. This does not happen often in movies. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things I always responded to is like, it's such a unique, not only the premise, which is, uh, we should mention, based on a true story, right? right? Like, it's based on a true story. Like, something along these lines actually happened, which is just mind-boggling, in the 70s. So, it's like, cool. Um, But that it doesn't, and it doesn't ever treat the women, even though they're archetypes in some respects, I guess, it never treats them as caricatures. They're always grounded, real people, who have like real motivations and are treated with respect, but they sure are funny. Yeah, it's true. I feel like um, we see that in that scene when they're all gathered. And I think it's Cleo who says like, they got my brother mm-hmm. like, personal, you know, and, and there is sort of a human connection and I, it's not just, you know, cause you kind of get the impression like Claire may just be on the, into this in the beginning because she just wants to get into Edward Herman's pants, you know, yeah, but exactly. The time they all, um, they do sort of develop into real people in a weird way. I think uh, they, they, none of them overplay it. No, they don't. And I think that comes, you know, eventually the treasury department opts out because they're like, we can't do this anymore. For some reason, Marv, who is also like a great character act, actor, yeah. uh, Michael Constantine, who's been in so many, so many things. Um, he is the treasury, the main treasury agent here. And it's interesting to think, and they set this up, but at one point he's bedridden because of the ulcer that these women have given him mm-hmm. because of the shenaniganery of it all, right? But they're not doing poorly. He says at the beginning, it takes professionals years to do this. They've done this in a matter of weeks, it seems like, because after this first round, what they have to do he's to convince him to let them keep going is they have to start driving and trailing them in cars. Mm-hmm. And so this is where Cloris Leachman's character, Claire, she buys them all radios because the like, treasury department won't buy that. It's like, well, I'll buy them, which makes me think she might be a black widow of some sort. I don't yeah. know. You know, it's like, where's right. this money coming from? Right. But, but um, th- so they start these, and this is where like the farce of it starts, but it's like car farce. It's like where Clue was a farce. And this reminds me of Clue sort of in spirit in some respects and like the women's roles. And, and Barbara Harris reminds me of, of um, Mrs. White uh, in some respects. Oh, wow. Yes. Like just not only the hair, but just like the cadence and the delivery, like Barbara Harris and Madeline Kahn are like cousins. Like oh, I'd Mrs. Love White and something together. Right. Yeah. Like, right? like cousins or sisters. Yeah. Right. Uh, but they but this idea that that they're going to start the farce of these cars that ends in this glorious demolition derby. But all of a sudden it goes from being, you know, like this, this set pieces around going into organizations. And all of a sudden it's like bullet or some sort of 70s, like the oh, French connection, because yeah. they're like driving and trailing criminals. But it's still women and it's still funny. So like no Gene Hackman anywhere. Right. It's like mm-hmm. very uh, it's just like, what is this movie? It's just phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I, I had this the same thought. I was like, this is like Bullet, but it's Virginia Capers instead of. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
point. In, in, in a rental car, a rare beauty. <laughs> right, right. It doesn't work. I mean, yeah, Come on, you rare beauty. Yeah, she has so many quotable lines. That there's a point she's in the car. Um, she has to get out and push her baby or a baby. She, they never explain who's the baby, yeah. whose baby it is. We assume it's hers. And this is the part where she's pushing the baby carriage, but her CB or whatever is in the thing. The, the cop is chasing her because she's got to follow the car on foot. And she's like yelling at the, the treasury guy into the baby carriage where there is a baby. And then this... Um, this is why I love this movie. I've probably been saying this uh, several lines from this movie, but this is one of them. I've been saying this my entire life. This nosy busybody is waiting for the bus, reading a book. She looks like a librarian, I think is what we're supposed to think. She comes up like, you can't talk to a child like this. Virginia Capers turns around and goes, butt out, lady. <laughs> I just like, I still say that today. And then the scene keeps going because then she keeps pushing it and, and the cop is chasing her and she's running and she's a big woman. She's like, yeah. um, you know, Rachel Bloom talks about this sometimes about like having to run with big boobs, right? And she's running with big boobs oh, and she, she, is. Is, she is booking it and, and she is just like giving it her all. And the cop's like, I'm going to have to tow. Like, if you don't do this, I'm going to have to tow. And she's like, you got a deal. You got yourself a deal. And she just keeps on going. It's like, right. here's a ticket go. Like she does not even stop. She's like, I've got to track this guy to wherever he's going. I think that's one of my favorite moments in all of these these car chase moments is her yeah is her running with the baby carriage signing the ticket sweating just like there was in some ways you know on on best supporting podcast Nick and I talk about like the best supporting actress for us is like the woman who shows up and you're like oh I'm so excited to see you and I don't want mm-hmm. you to leave the screen and while I could never pick and choose among these ladies, I was surprised how much I felt that way about Cleo and Virginia mm-hmm. Capers, how happy I was to see her whenever she showed up. Well, she lights up, like like the scene right at the very beginning where she realized it's the new Reverend. She's like, oh, and she's the first one to go walking up to him. She's like, oh, Reverend, I'm Cleo Jones. Welcome to North Haven or whatever the hell. North Camden, I think. North yeah. Camden, there we go. Yeah. That sounds like a real place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she just, there was, and, and I think, yeah, the, the, the mom of it all of running with the baby carriage. Like there's something about that. that well, and, too, and it's not a stroller. It's a baby carriage, right? Oh, That's yeah, the great yeah. part about it. You know, it's, it's <laughs> hidden and it's covered and she's pushing that thing. Yeah. But that leads to one of the other great moments, which is a Barbara Harris moment in the yes. Cheerios. Oh. So they, 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 they finally figure out that some, one of the passes is happening at this grocery store. And so they've been chasing this guy who's carrying a brown bag full of money from one of the agents or one of the gambling joints and they've been trying to figure out where it goes after that and who is collecting all of this money and so they know what's happening in this grocery store so barbara harris is in the cereal aisle her kids are running wild somewhere around the store and she's just standing by the cheerios putting box after box of cheerios in her cart the cart is overflowing with cheerios it's so it's like it's camp like i know camp oh, when i see it yeah, yeah. full of cheerios she's talking on the walkie-talkie behind the thing and and i love this because this is such an accurate statement for someone who was probably the same age as these kids at the time why are you buying so much cheerios <laughs> right why and she's like um you know shopping <laughs> that was her answer yeah. like such no, a great no. mom is you know uh, shopping yeah that scene is a, it's a it's a great uh example of barbara harris's like the precision of her timing like i think that's what they love about her is she uh she's like a swiss watch when it comes to like comedic timing she knows Mm -hmm. how to place not even just a line but a movement the way that she keeps the one box in front of the radio as she's Mm -hmm. moving along the aisle as she's clearing it like yeah 
little things like that. The way she'll pull a box off the shelf. The one time she pulls it out and then like rubs and like looks like she's looking at the ingredients, even though it's very clear she's not because she's looking out the side, but she's like doing, she's doing her mom drag, right? She's like, I have to look like a mom, but I'm really undercover. So let me do my mom drag here with this box of Cheerios because this is what moms do. Even right. though moms wouldn't in a realistic way have 40 boxes of Cheerios. So much like a drag queen is heightened femininity. She's like taking this heightened level of momness. So it pre like presents mom, you know, it, obviously in a very ridiculous way, but one that's grounded in something real, just lots of Cheerios. Yeah, that's, that's so true. That's such a, it's such a campy mom drag moment is the, is the card of Cheerios. Um, and all of that. It's a, it, it's a, it's such a great moment. It's uh, she, I mean, I feel like she, between that scene and of course, I mean the um, Barbara and the pets, as I labeled it in my in my. Notes. Oh yeah, and she had such sensible shoes on for the pet show, right? That's where we learned she's Mrs. Sims. They they have, they found the bank. They're all looking for this bank. So um, at one point, they they get they uh, they're chasing this guy. They find the pickup guy. They can't find him anymore, right? And so at the end. They um, they finally figure out where he is or where the bank is. And so they just disperse to get everybody. And she's on her way to the pet show with these kids. These kids keep showing up. They're not all her kids. That's another question I have about this movie. It's like, what do the other parents that she's carpooling all these kids think about her, like, dragging them around on all of these adventures? Right. Right? <laughs> it's like they never say anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but the drag of like the pet show pets like I watched my turtle for nothing you know it's it's mm -hmm. like there's there's animals everywhere it's chaos there so much car chaos in this movie well controlled I might add but yeah, so much car chaos yeah. yeah and and then again like the police officer's like I need you to pull over and she's like no I don't have time for this <laughs> yeah. oh I mean you know what's what's great about both of those segments I think because she she plays down her own chaotic, like her own response to the chaos mm -hmm. because when all of that happens, instead of her really freaking out, you know, she's standing over the snake going, uh, you're going the wrong way. No, go this way. Like trying to get the snake to just like listen to her and go back in the box. Mm -hmm. And then she touches it and freaks out. Like it's, in, I think the cliched response would be for her to be tearing her hair out or running around going crazy. It's be, like the way that Barbara Harris doesn't really raise her voice is what, in a way, it's like a, it's a, it's a sort of satire of mom, or satirical mom drag, because it's like a mom who is in like such calamity and such chaos and just isn't losing her cool. Or, or it's like she has the, it's like back there behind her eyes, maybe, but she's like, I can't do that right now. Right. Yeah, I don't have the privilege to lose my shit right now. Yeah. yeah. If, if she was alive in like 2005, she would definitely be the, I'm going to drink a box of Franzia when I get home mm -hmm. kind of oh, mom. Yes. Yeah. But there's so many moments of her in the car. There's the one where she's got the little league team and she's supposed to be chasing, like be near the grocery store basically earlier in the movie. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, I can't be there right now. We forgot, you know, it's the Cobras. They're, they're on their way to playoffs. And the guy's like, what? It's like the Cobra. They're six and two on the season, and if they win one more, they get to go to the playoffs. It's like, well, can you get to this location? It's like, well, not until the shortstop gets back from the bathroom. It's like all this very like logical mom stuff. Mm -hmm. She's like, yeah. you know, and yeah. she's like, and eh, you know, it is what it is. And there's just give give Timmy back his creepy crawlers. Like there's just chaos content that's rotating around her, and she's just like, no, this is what we're doing. This is how it's going to go. Like her in her brain, it's all organized. It all makes sense. Right, right, yeah, it's great. It's such a it it's um. 
again, I think especially for like women in these kind of stories to be in control feels really like feels unique and feels special versus like just running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Oh, well, and even even when she's in the United States, like does the F, or does the Treasury Department provide child care or there's at one point where they're telling her to be somewhere and she's driving. She's like, well, I can do that, but I do have a Tupperware party in 30 minutes. <laughs> of course, such a, an indicator of the time it is like definitely late 70s. But she's always like very focused on like, I also am a mom. So like, yeah. I'm happy to do this, but I'm also a mom and I have all of these children to contend with. Not all of them are mine. Right. She says at one point early on when they're trying to recruit them, she's like, well, I'm free on Mondays, you know, and it's like, this is just going to have to fit into that schedule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, and she's the one who says, like, I can move my macrame class also. Oh, a, yeah. a that was her, Karen Valentine. Karen Valentine, yeah. The 70s of it all of there to be Tupperware parties and macrame classes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so many prints. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, prints, I, and I love mostly probably it was in the early scenes, but the um the the handkerchiefs on the hair like the bandana yeah bandanas over the hair i love that look um it was like festive pirate yeah oh it was it was great it was indeed uh what i want to be when i grow up well the the interesting thing too and i'm going to get a little english lit on you here i was i don't know how i had this thought yesterday when i was contemplating and sort of looking through my notes and watching again so there's three church scenes follow me here right mm -hmm. I remember from high school English literature, it's very similar to the Scarlet Letter in this way, where there's three scaffolding scenes. It's a very clear structure. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> I know. How about this? Right. So English lit realness. So I was like, I don't know why that's the connectivity, but like that, that tripartite structure is really interesting. You have the church scene at the very beginning, the church scene at the very end. And then there's the one in the middle. They're, they're doing the church service with the rock band, uh, the shortcakes, right? And that's oh, also a great shortcake. moment. And then all of a sudden, like the next scene after church is... Um, Edward Herman, uh, Professor Hill, that's the music man, uh, Reverend Hill is um, sort of comforting Carmel, the daughter. Interesting fact, do you know who she is? You'll yes. love this. Yes, that was an exciting casting. And, and played Dan from The Office, right? I was like, I was like, do I know who this Carmel girl is? Like, oh my God, it's Jan from The Office. So yeah. anyway, so then all of a sudden, the church explodes. Not not like like literally like blows up. Like they set yeah. dynamite in the church. The whole thing's on fire. And I was like, holy crap, what is yeah, this? It got real. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like they're not fucking around. This is actually the mob. There may not be guns, but this place is dangerous. Up until that point, the character of uh Anne, she's probably the woman who gets to have the least amount of fun in this movie. She's mm -hmm. a straight woman in the movie. Susan uh, Clark. Yeah, I I don't I don't think I'm very familiar with her outside of I mean, I've probably accidentally seen her in something else, but so I actually I hadn't either, and I was actually looking at her stuff this morning. Um, and this is one that you might have seen. She was in Airport 1975. She was oh. in front of the airport sequels. <laughs> yes. Oh, of course, 75. That was the one <laughs> where Karen Black had to fly the plane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, it's so really interesting, but I'm also, um, you know, she done, she was also in a TV version of Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. She played the Allison Janney role in the TV movie of LaVanya Harding. Oh my God. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's crazy. Oh yeah. Look at that. 1994. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. crazy. Oh, well, I kind of want to see that now. Yeah, I do too. Um, so. Wow. But yeah, she, I mean, towards the end, it was kind of, I think that, um, I think that her character was was certainly awakened by 
the church exploding, but I think she was also she also got a, a jolt of excitement from the eleventh hour introduction of Ruth Buzzy. Oh yes, which <laughs> as the ecumenical enchantress, that's a drag name. Please welcome to the stage. No, I know. That's oh, the other God. drag thing. They have code names, right? They all they all have drag names in this mm-hmm. movie too, right? So which is great. Yeah, it was I was trying to remember was was what was claire's code name was it phantom fox phantom fox cleo was clunker because she kept having to use cars mm-hmm. uh taryn valentine was june bride because the whole thing with her and howard and howard's mother and getting married um kitty Carr was barbara harris and blarney stone was the rafferty's which you know we should also mention that because mrs rafferty couldn't drive they put um delaney rafferty he was in drag through the whole second half of the movie because he had to drive the car. They never explain it beyond the fact that it had to be women. That was never an issue. He was not like, I'm going to get killed for dressing up like a woman. He was like, I'm going to get killed because we're chasing the mob. But yeah. it was like, just like, yep, I'm dressed up like a woman too. And he had the support hose down, like half down his calves. Yeah, that no one's going to see. I love that. I love that towards the end, he was concerned about the run in his hose. And it was yeah. like, no one's going to see them. But that it's a good point is he very much embraces the drag even by the end you know when edward herman is thanking the six women and and delancey's or delaney says well seven women seven. um it, it's a really sort of again i think there's a bit of euphemism to that i think between delaney's embracing of uh you know wearing women's clothing and then patsy mm-hmm. saying like well it's the last time you'll have to wear the wear stockings i hope you know like there's sort of a, there's that suggestion that something awakens in him you know yes um, well, and, and their repartee is great too. And and don't let me forget this, but I actually toward after we talk about the movie, I actually played. How would I cast this with Drag Race Girls? Oh, I love that! I absolutely yeah. love play that game. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. Um, All right. But I guess while we're on the topic of of men playing with gender, I think this is a good time to at least stop and address uh, Jane's very gay fiance, Howard. Howard. Howard, I mean, like I, so I went to kind of, first of all, this actor's name is uh, a hard name to go through high school with, especially if you're fairly fey, because uh, his first name is Dick and his last name is spelled F-U-C-H-S. So you decide how that's pronounced. But we'll go with Fuchs. Fuchs, I'll give him that. Uh, <laughs> this is his only film credit. Uh, I think he's done some theater outside of this, but I, I didn't know if he was like a, uh, a Jim J. Bullock or something, you know, like was, was he kind of an understood like fay actor that everyone just ignored it, you know, but that to me, the fact that he was so uh, clearly coding as gay and was the oh, mom's wow. boy and all of that, it, it just, oh, the, it, it was, was so obvious. It's, I mean, seriously, a mama's boy, like there's not a single scene with him without the mom until they leave the wedding. Mm-hmm. Like the mom is always at his side and the nuance of this, and I know you caught this at the wedding, which is the day of the big finale, like D-Day as it were, the, the shortcakes, which is like the hippie monkeys cover band or whoever they are, like the little Davy Jones knockoff that have to go get June Bride, Karen Valentine's um, Jane from the wedding. 
they're taking pictures after the wedding and the mother's organizing the whole picture of the whole bridal party. And right before the picture tap, the mother jumps between Jane yep. and Howard. And it's the only picture she lets happen. She's like, and let's move. I was like, yep. wow. <laughs> I, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant little nuance because they do that. And then she's okay, well, now let's go. I want to get a, get a picture of the cake. And it's, yeah. um, I mean, we never, I, I don't think we get a real, a lot of times with these kinds of relationships, by the end of the movie, a character like Karen Valentine's wakes up and is like, Howard, we're done here. I don't think that happens in this. I think they're still together by the end. Oh, uh, absolutely. Well, if anything, he may have had a nervous breakdown. We haven't mentioned his car is a Rolls Royce and it's the one that she has to drive through the whole movie because yeah. she doesn't have one. Um, she uh, doesn't get that on her streetwalker salary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so she, um, so she's driving the Rolls Royce and at one point she gets a ding in it and she's like, Howard's going to kill me. And she starts crying and he, he loves that car as much as he loves his mother to the point where the whole movie culminates in this demolition derby because they find the bank, everyone's leaving the bank, which is in this elevated warehouse. And, you know, so it's this fenced in yard, very dusty, very Southern California place, uh, like Santa Ana winds are blowing or whatever, like so dirty. And, and they're doing this demolition derby. And so like all these moms are basically like driving in circles with all these mobsters and they're trying to take them out. And Howard won't let her do anything with that car. And they yeah. keep doing it to the point where everyone's like, Howard. Oh, that one moment where like, yeah, where they see the car stop short and then yeah, Sue or Anne is on the, uh, you know, is over with Ruth Buzzy and the priest. Yeah. He already knows it's because of Howard that they Howard, stopped. Yeah. 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 Oh. Uh, but, but there's the great part where, where it's like Karen Valentine's driving to the entire line of cars and Howard's like half in the car, but running alongside the car. Mm -hmm. And she, he's like, you can't do this. You can't do this. I can't watch. And she's like, don't look. And she lowers the sun visor on the passenger side. <laughs> and then the, here's the great part of that. If you go back and watch the nuance, all of a sudden Karen Valentine's eyes get really big and crazy. She's like, <laughs> I'm going to do this. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> feeling her oats at that moment. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, was. In this demolition is, of course, where we get the fabulous moment of Cloris Leachman and her nails breaking. Nails. Mm -hmm. it's, again, it's a joke that they set up from the moment they introduce her. And you kind of know, you're like, at some point, those nails are going to have to break. But I kind of forgot about it until this moment. And yeah. she, I mean, it's her glorious. reaction to it, her losing her shit over it is so... It's so funny because you, I may partially because we know how much it matters to her, you know? Yeah. Well, that we should mention that when they, she gets the call to go do this, she's at the beauty parlor because she yes. leaves mid, mid beautification. So she has probably just had the nails done. She's got that little hair thing on because she's getting a wave or something. Yeah, I don't know. And she's still got the, the bib on because she's there with Fernando, I think his name is, her hair mm -hmm. guy who she mentioned several times through the movie. And so like the nails are fresh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, she does come, you know, all her, her beauty regiment stops for everything. Yeah, it's a great moment and a great kind of, um, it's nice to see these different moments where these characters get activated, you know, where yeah. they have to kind of push themselves, where, you know, when Virginia Capers has to get the baby out of the car and say, okay, all right, mm -hmm. we got to go, we got to run. And like, they, they, when they get scrappier than they already yeah. are. And I think the nails breaking similar to Jane, there was like a wild-eyed craziness that gets activated. Well, and she's, 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 this is when it's basically down to her and like the mob boss, Max, I think Caraway is his name, right? And so it's just the two of them and he rear-ends her 
well, his chauffeur rear ends her and it makes her nails go up and she like loses her shit is not even descriptive. Like if, if you watch anything in this movie, like I'm sure you can YouTube just this clip because yeah. then the professional driver that they have as a stunt double circles around right. gets right behind him and she starts going, I'm going to get you. Like doing her best, like wicked witch drag or something. She's like, you're going to pay for this. And she starts like pointing at the nails and waving her hands. And he's oh, like, this yeah. woman's crazy. Um, and it's like tears yeah. running down her cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's, oh Lord. it's such a great moment. Like the fact that like they felt no sense of, danger about any of this the fact that there was a gaggle of kids across the street on the broken down semi where they had to group up first before they did it like they're all hiding under the semi right in a line and they get that great moment where the music gets really tense and each of them is pulling out and doing the thumbs up i'm like like this is guy shit and these women are doing it and it's amazing the reason i love this movie and i think it's why we're quite equating it with clue is because it's so gifable and memeable right like i could watch this movie in five to 10 second segments all the way through start to finish. Like, I think I probably watched the movie clue just by looking at gifts of clue from start to finish. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. Totally. And so like, I think this movie is like that. It's like so many of these little micro moments that you talk about are just strung together in such a wonderful and organic way that it's just, you could just jump in and just watch like five minutes of it. And it's going to make you feel better. It's great quarantine viewing and it's great post-quarantine viewing so yeah it's certainly evergreen in that way but it's yeah. uh but it's also yeah i would have to say um for folks in quarantine this was such a nice distraction and mm-hmm. um and and the kind of movie that yeah like right away you kind of sink into like it, you, it kind of brings you into the world and the charm of it very quickly um and yeah it was uh, i i'm so glad we dove into this uh yeah. I, I would I would love to imagine a world where there is a remake and they remake it with drag queens. I would love oh, to yeah. hear your casting via okay. drag queens. So, you know, you they may be somewhat controversial and I keep going back on some of these, back and forth on some of these. And so I'm gonna start with one that you're going to love. Great. Vicky. We'll start with Vicky with Barbara Harris, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Kasha Davis. Oh, I love that. Oh, mm-hmm. suburban mom drag. Yes. I, mm-hmm. yes. Caster, yeah. caller, yeah. Perfect. Um, Cleo would be Monique Hart. Ooh, I love that too. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Oh my mm-hmm. God. I, yes, I can picture it now. Yeah. Yes. Um, this one's a little, this one I, I'm sort of a little outside the box here, but Claire, I'm thinking Jinx. Oh no, that's a great choice. Yes, that's a great idea because I think Jinx can, can find that same like thread of wackadoo that Clarice Leachman has. Mm-hmm. So with Anne, who has that sort of journey, but it's the to use the term you guys all talk about the adult in the room. Mm. I go back and forth. I'll let you pick. Um, currently, Jackie Cox, or more recently, or last season, Nina West. One of the two of them. Ooh. Because they can give it that gravitas at the beginning and sort of that kickassery towards the end, but also be that sort of you know that adult person yeah, in all of this oh, I- chaos. Oh, that's a, I mean, I love the idea of Nina West being in this. I might see Jackie Cox in that role more, maybe because mm-hmm. I'm so familiar with Jackie Cox right now being like yeah. the straight person, the straight man in the room in a way. Mm-hmm. But um, we're going to find a role for Nina. It might be Mrs. Gossin. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really, right? Um, so Jane, I had to also, I keep going back and forth. The, the first one, the more obvious one was Bendela. Oh, I love that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's just sort of her aesthetic. But mm-hmm. I was also thinking Manila. 
I could see that too. Yep. I can yeah. totally see that. I feel like uh, it, it's, it does kind of, you know, to use a reference you've made earlier, it's sort of that Judy Holiday thing of can you play, mm-hmm. um, but be in on it. Yeah. And then this one, I love the Rafferty's. Mm. Trixie and Katia. Just, yep, yep, <laughs> just yep. put them and let them go. Yep. <laughs> but, I love it. I love it. I love it. I yeah. As to who's who, I think Katya would probably be Delaney. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Yeah, she's very Boston. So totally. Oh, I that's oh, that's such fun casting. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I think that's great. Uh yeah, Nina West will give her the Mrs. Gossin role. She'll love that. She'll get a Absolutely. Little, um, yoga. Fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my God, this was a hoot. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank oh, you. It, well, and of course, I mean, the, the opportunity to, to clean out on nuances, to even be aware of these nuances, like, I, I couldn't be more appreciative. Barbara Harris is like, it was one of those things, you know, like, whether it be when we're younger and it sticks with us or like later on where it's like, this, does everybody else know about this? Does everyone else know how good this is? You know, does anyone else get why this is so good? And so I think like, little things like the little nuances like when somebody else gets those little ones i'm like oh thank mm-hmm. god oh good you saw that too it's i have really- to admit when i first sent you this i was like i feel so vulnerable right now <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, <love> <laughs> I was like i'm thinking, it feels like my baby i'm like i really hope he gets this I, i'm like if anybody's gonna understand this Colin will understand this. Like, and if you don't, I would have like had to go like into a fetal position in the corner and be like, Oh no. Oh no, no. I, I feel like I got it. Like it was like, I knew a few minutes and I knew by that first set piece, I was like, this is, this is amazing. This is revolutionary. So, Absolutely. So they don't make them like this anymore. That's no, sure. no. I, you know, it's funny. I, I think about, um, it's obviously very different, but it's like, um, movie wine country where a lot of the cast was women who were somewhat older who were getting to be funny i didn't love wine country but i want more yeah. of that you know who is who is the um because I, I agree with that and anything with amy poehler tina fey my rudolph sign me up i will sit through it once but the the woman who was like the rough around the edges one um paula oh, uh paula, paula pell, pell. Yeah. yeah i love yeah. her oh, so like okay. i was like yeah. you know just great. Actually, Colin, I just remembered one more thing. And if I don't mention this, I will be so, so sad. Please. Animated credits. Oh, of course. Cartoon credits. Yes. Yes. Five minutes of world building. They are brilliant. It sets up what's happening. It gives enough like um, Easter eggs of what's coming without actually giving it away. It's such a... 70s 80s thing but they are so great those animated credits are just amazing oh yes i i I love them it was you know uh the the north avenue irregulars walked so that don't tell mom the babysitter's dead could run in terms of credits exactly (laughs) thank you again if folks oh thank you you know are are so inspired by uh your your taste in movies and actresses would you want them to get in touch with you anywhere well, sure. Um, what the hell is my Instagram? So I am on Instagram. I think it is DC Filer, which is DC uh, Filer, F-I-L-A-R. Uh, like I was telling Colin earlier, uh, it's filing like files. I come from a long line of secretaries, apparently. Uh, yeah, so that's probably why this, movie, yeah, <laughs> why this movie appeals to me. So a DC Filer, F-I-L-A-R, uh, is my Instagram handle. So sure, follow me there. I, I post a lot of stuff about mentoring and my life and I work at a university and certainly enjoy this kind of stuff too. So 
Yeah, I'd love right. to have some new followers. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hardly recommend it. Um, I really, it's so much fun. And Absolutely. Really Enjoyed in it. quarantine, it's so nice to be interacting with people. <laughs> <laughs> and about interesting things that have nothing to do with anything that's going on in the world because we all deserve a little break. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's, mm-hmm. there's nothing about this movie will remind you of what's going on in the world today. <laughs> yeah. Not a thing. I, in fact, it'll make you feel better because the world is less polluted than it was in this movie. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Man, LA really transformed. Yeah. Ooh, you've never seen a movie that is so sepia toned in Technicolor. <laughs> well, this has been a blast. Folks, I, if, if this is not a new reference for you and you want to share your own feelings on the North Avenue at Regulars or any of the ladies in the movie, or if you have then since watched it because of this review and want to share your thoughts, uh, you can drop me an email at inthedetailspod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. Uh, you can also find me on All Right Mary, talking about season 12 of Drag Race. Or you can find me on Best Supporting Podcast with Nick Kachanov, who was my guest last week, talking about Best Supporting Actresses. So, um, yeah, you're going to find me somewhere. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for joining me for another week of Queening Out on Micro Moments, Acting Choices, and Magic and Minutia, particularly of the North Avenue Regulars. And we'll be back real soon with even more. So with that, I bid you adieu.